All right, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the AI Business Podcast. I'm Tian, the creative producer of Informa Tech, and joining me is the man who is busy rebuilding the AI business website, Max Molax. Hello there. Also joining the podcast is DCD's deputy editor and a contributing editor for AI Business, the man wearing too many hats, Sebastian Moss. Hello, everybody. And on episode three of the podcast, we discuss Microsoft replacing journalists with AI. And yes, computer has been picking our news for quite a while now, which explains why I bought three USB-C chargers and have five different app blocker apps on my phone. <laughs> well, I saw it, I liked it, I clicked it, and I bought it. And the race to self-driving future continues. And our marquee topic: the tech war between U.S. and China. It's past, present, and future. Who's winning? What's the latest? We're gonna break it down for you. But first, how are you guys doing over there? It's been an interesting week. I mean, I hope everybody stays safe, and, and you know, hopefully, America can get to a more relaxed and calm state in the future by the next podcast. We built a new website uh, in partnership with Light Reading. Uh, this is a resource you might know if you're interested in telecommunications. Um, and there's a whole bunch of new things in there. We've got AI Exchange for um, industry content, obviously vetted by our editorial team. We've got a practitioner portal uh, developed specifically for people who actually build artificial intelligence tools. Uh, so hopefully it's going to be useful for you know like data scientists and developers. And of course, news and analysis that hopefully you've come to expect from AI business. Uh, also, a very important note, our trademark orange is now trademark purple. So go on AIbusiness.com and check out the website. It's got a real human being behind it, uh, putting the news out there. What doesn't have real human being behind it? Uh, Microsoft News. They do have real human being, but they did just lay off a bunch of journalists and reporters and who, who are tasked to kind of handpick the news. And now they're replacing them with an algorithm, with artificial intelligence, and in hopes to kind of more accurately uh, predict and know what you like. It's one of those big brother app thing where they kind of figure out what you like and give it to you. I should say that this is nothing new. Google News uses it. Um, it's all over YouTube, Netflix, and other places. But this is kind of a glaring example that people are losing their jobs to uh, AI. Surprisingly, though, I did happen to go on MSN.com to check out what their news is like, which I did not know still exists. Does anybody actually know what MSN stands for? Because I honestly don't. Microsoft News. So it actually stands for Microsoft Network. Okay, that makes more sense. But again, what? who's going there for news? I'm a journalist. I've, I've, I've been reading news for, so like professionally for eight years. I've, I've never consciously clicked on an MSN link. I, I, I take no joy in people losing their jobs, especially other journalists that would then be competing with me for jobs. But... You know, it was a lot of, I was surprised that they had 50-odd journalists doing just aggregation, not actually writing anything, just picking news. I, I go on my Apple News. Now, I'm, I'm glad the first five items are kind of picked by human. Once I scroll one level down, all those stuff are stuff I don't need. Like, mm. I'm, I was in the hunt for an iPad. Once I bought it, it's still giving me, you know, here's another five gadgets you'll need. Here's the five <laughs> gadgets you will never live without. Would it, will we ever come to a point where AI can sort through what I actually want and give me fair balance? The irony is, so the the first wave of the internet kind of gutted journalism. We're still experiencing that now. So those algorithms meant that ad revenues and, and ways journalists make money just, just created. So we all had to start going off the clicks and doing these ridiculous headlines, you know, these five things you can't live without stories. And then now the new algorithms can only sift through all this rubbish journalism 
And it, it, that, that's all designed to game those algorithms because they're desperate for those clicks rather than sustainable audiences. So you have the, um, the, the content is getting worse because of these algorithms and it's just in this feedback loop and I don't know where it's going to go in the future. I don't actually think it's going to get fair and balanced. I think it's going to get worse and worse. Will this potentially divide our viewpoint further because it's just giving you more of what I want? Like I do check out Fox News every once in a while. Mm. Just I want to know what other people are thinking, but it's out of my own free will. Like the YouTube will never do it. Like you know, you would never give me the other viewpoint. I think if you look at the convulsions that are kind of gripping the U.S. right now, it's one of those things where you don't want to give too much power to social media. Obviously, what this is about is is decades and decades of of injustice and you know, underfunding of, of social movements and overfunding of police force and stuff like that. But it's also hugely down to, like you were saying, this split where you have people living in completely different worlds in their minds. They, they go outside, it's the same world, but when they go on their computer, they go on their phone, they go on their TV, it's a starkly different world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 it's like the extreme content is the content that does really well, mm. you know? Like nobody does well on moderate talking points, you know? Like you need to be either either this side or that side. We see now that it's a very dangerous problem because the two sides don't really don't see eye to eye and they don't even want to listen to each other. The driver, driver as a profession is going away. And uh, great segue, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened this week is Volkswagen and Ford have finally cemented their pact around Argo AI, the self-driving car company. It's a a very expensive partnership. Volkswagen had to pay 2.6 billion in order to become a part of it, including uh, 1.6 billion as Audi's autonomous driving unit. So Audi's autonomous driving unit will become a part of Argo AI, and uh, the two companies will essentially share self-driving tech. They're going to collaborate together. So these are the, the, these guys have competed for nearly a century, and now they're going to they're going to collaborate. And um, what this suggests to me is uh, self-driving functionality will not be a differentiator for smart cars of the future. Self-driving functionality will become a standard, and they will compete on other things, on specific products and services. What this partnership says to me is that these car companies have been studying what happened to mobile phones. And they saw that Google came in and said, hey, we have this platform, it's free. Um, don't worry, you can use this operating system. Relax, don't don't worry about it. And now all these different smartphone companies are in Android's pocket. Google has so much power of them and it makes all the money on the services and the, the extra additional things that these, these hardware manufacturers now have no control over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to own it equally, have have an equal share of voice. And essentially, yeah, this at least this part of the self-driving car is going to be standard. Um, another investment announced this week comes into Diddy. They do sort of like, you know, like ride sharing. They do food deliveries. They do all the stuff that, that Uber does. Uh, had a massive uh, self-driving operation developing self-driving cars. They are now spinning it off first in a separate business unit. And as far as we understand now into a completely separate company uh, with uh, 500 million. Um, initial budget um, that's been open to venture capital and a bunch of people have invested including uh, a certain vision fund too <laughs> SoftBank always betting on winners other than all the times it bet on losers yeah I, I think it, if you look at just a few years ago investing in any tech company was kind of a safe bet just because there were more people investing in it and it was a nice bubble but COVID has, has forced a lot of people to, to look at burn rates and how so many companies in Silicon Valley don't actually have sustainable business models. 
And that means a lot of investments from SoftBank have, have gone below the value of the money they put in. Uh, most mm-hmm. notably, obviously, WeWork and then Uber as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and because uh, actually, you know, you know, like I, I haven't heard about WeWork during the pandemic. Do we assume that it's gonna, you know, like murder their business? It's an interesting one because some people are saying because we don't know what the future of work is going to be for people, that there might be a shift to flexible offices where you kind of expand when you want people to come into the office and you can shrink again. So there is actual runway for them, but the problem is they're still dealing with the fact that their valuation was so inflated earlier on that they have to, they have a lot of ground to catch up to even break even on investments. Me having worked three years in a WeWork office, my experience is just, I'd rather be in a corporate office because WeWork office is full of very loud and obnoxious people on their phones pacing in you know in in the shared office area in the lobby and their dogs everybody bring their dogs for some reason and the dog will come to you when the door is shut somehow the dog find a way to enter our office and he would it would just like cuddle around me and i I had no power to to remove it from my lap you know and without being yelled at by girls that i'm a you know i'm a monster you are a monster well, I do like dogs. I just don't like other people's dogs, like on my lap when I'm trying to work. On top of the fact that the coffee was terrible and the bathroom's always dirty. I mean, the idea is great, but you know, you're right. It would be very interesting to see that what, let's say, six months from now, mm. what's happening with WeWork. And it was always a crazy business because it was based on renting from someone else that owns the property and then reselling it. Um, this probably varies between the world, but like what WeWork is mainly famous for in London, and especially among journalists, is obviously the free beer, right? That was the selling point. That was the genius marketing move that made WeWork in this country. And this is everything everybody talked about. And the beer is... Uh, objectively terrible yes. uh, because th- these people are not bar people and you know like it's just like you have to understand that the beer is an ecosystem you know like you have to clean and maintain it and essentially what we had is just like week in week out for months at an end is is, is, is you, you queue up for your free beer and you get like three quarters foam <laughs> and this is not and this is not a knock on you know anybody across the pound but the people who would drink the beer and enjoy it right at the time it's available in our offices at least are the people from UK? <laughs> they were just like, "Oh, it's done. That's beer o'clock. That's all. That's all. Get it." And they were just like, "Just start drinking beer." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's not a good beer." Journalists have a problem. British people have a problem. That that's how it is. The world seems crazy right now, but but don't worry. It, it it's always been crazy. I think so. So the U.S. China trade war is pretty intense right now. But the important thing to understand, especially with tech, is that this dates back a lot, lot, lot longer. So one of the things I want to talk about is the Vassinger arrangement, 1996, was post-Cold War, simplify it, it's basically, let's check which chips and hardware and tanks and whatever we sell to other countries to make sure they can't be used for things we don't like. So it already meant all the top chips couldn't be sold to certain countries without special arrangements so that you can simulate nuclear weapons or gyroscopes that you put in a nuclear missile and so on. Then let's, let's go to 2005. You had RAND, which is essentially you know uh, an arm of the US government with the way they work with them, doing a report into how Huawei is a danger. You had 2012, House of Representatives calling Huawei a national security threat. This is all pre-Trump, right? You had, the, hilariously, the NSA actually hacked Huawei and infiltrated them that came out with Snowden project shotgun so they're attacking huawei for being potentially surveilling u.s citizens while they're um, openly doing that to them 
Um, and then, then Trump comes in. So the trade war really starts kicking off at this point. And of course, you know, China had been, it's been proven that they were doing cyber espionage against the US and IP theft and so on. So it really starts to, to ramp up and they start doing sanctions. Uh, in early 2019, the, uh, they claim, still, still in court, claim that Huawei evaded uh, sanctions against Iran. Um, and used U.S. banks, so so they arrest the daughter of the founder of Huawei, and they start rolling in all these different sanctions that have, keep getting more and more as time goes on. They brought sanctions against companies like Sugon and Hygon. Sugon makes the uh, data centers for TikTok. Uh, they also did 28 companies and research institutes. They said that they were involved in surveilling and otherwise suppressing Uyghurs. Whether you believe that America cares about that or not is a, is another question. But so since time, which is well at the time the the largest, uh, most valuable AI startup, they 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 were caught up in it. Megvi and and these sanctions essentially mean U.S. companies can't work with them without express permission by the U.S. Commerce Department. So like Nvidia can't sell supercomputing companies GPUs. That's a pretty big deal. Um, then this January we're like okay, trade war starting. They've got an agreement, starting to relax a bit, and then then COVID came along, and you know obviously. It came from China. Uh, China may or may not have been slow to tell anyone. And then you add in the conspiracy theories that have no grounding in truth, but that the Trump administration likes to push about that it was the intentional lab creation. The, the lab. Yeah, that's yeah. It just like when Pompeo said that, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, no. No, no. So if you listen to this and you believe that, uh, no. Um, but but either way, it's, it's used. You know, Trump's got a very difficult re-election campaign. He needs an enemy. It can't just be the press. So, so he's really kind of, pushing on that that it's china so it, we saw this year again more huawei restrictions um so now they've blocked companies including tsmc which makes semiconductors they've blocked mm -hmm. them from making chips for huawei which makes them semiconductors for everyone including yeah. you know like major american companies and they're just like yeah dragging tsmc into in, into this is because taiwan is 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 you know like is is the key battleground and this is basically yeah because just like all, all the manufacturing that's moving in from china to taiwan you know like because yeah it, 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 it you know like you can still do business with taiwan so basically it's going to be very interesting how that develops in terms in terms mm. of yeah taiwan was the world supplier of electronics anyway yeah and, and, yeah. and TSMC was was neutral ground, right? Like they made chips for U.S. companies, made chips for Chinese companies, made chips for Russian companies. Yeah, right. And then to so they essentially said you have to choose between making chips for all of America or with Huawei. And then as part of that, they've also they're going to build a twelve billion dollar factory in the U.S. Uh, for you know un, undisclosed but probably quite sizable incentives. Um, then in May, we had so the, uh, 33 more companies and research institutions blocked again for human rights. and Yeah, and in, including, again, a whole bunch of AI companies, because yeah, you, you will notice a pattern there. One of the interesting ones was CloudMinds, which is also a soft bank. Well, yes, and CloudMinds is responsible for a product that, that might be familiar to our European listeners, and maybe even those in the US, the amazingly boring Pepper Robot. <laughs> This thing that is, um, I mean, it's just like, it kind of competes against these kind of robotic systems that are essentially tablets on wheels. So in this respect, Pepper wins. It's got arms and it's got a semblance of legs and it's got a head and eyes and it can emote, you know, like, but essentially it is a tablet on, on wheels. And um, where they've been very successful is infiltrating various 
um, futuristic uh, customer service experiences. Mm. So, for example, I've seen one just permanently displayed in um, London uh, King's Cross and Pancras station. And it's supposedly, you know, like it's supposed to answer questions. But every time I stumble upon it, it kind of like it is it, hanging its head in shame because it <laughs> does no longer work. And also it offers you taco for some reason. Whenever you couldn't answer a question, it's like, do you want a taco? <laughs> Could he actually? Could it actually give you a taco though? It doesn't. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> yes, here's the thing. So, it, it's objectively terrible on a customer experience level. Turns out, it may or may not be also objectively terrible on a helping about what, uh, human rights abuses level. Although compared to the last year's sanctions, last year's had had very detailed explanations of what these companies were doing. Yes. This time, there's no real explanation of what CloudMinds did. I, I reached out to the U.S. government and they gave me a nice no no comment. Yes, but the mm. interesting bit here is 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 people have been saying pretty much since 2018, I think, that these sanctions might actually accelerate China's move towards self-reliance in terms of technology. And I think we were certainly right. seeing that in terms of like state investment, because mm. that's another thing. Yeah, so I mean, Tencent, which which does everything you can, can think of, including being the world's largest games uh, video game producer... Um, right. And also being China's it's like Spotify. Amazon combined combined with Facebook and, and combined Spotify. With... I mean, yeah, yeah like the WeChat. Uh, WeChat is obviously like a super app that we don't really have here. But so they've even said over five years they're going to spend seventy billion, which when I first read I thought was a typo. Seventy <laughs> billion on cloud, on AI, on on all those kind of future. Quantum things. was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alibaba is going to do twenty eight billion over three years. Um, and these are just two companies doing just under 100 billion as part of a wider uh, Chinese government. Obviously, again, it's two things they're facing. They're facing this tr uh, trade war and tech war. And also, how do we rebuild mm -hmm. after COVID, you know, mm -hmm. kind of stop the growth train of China? And so they are pumping as much money as they can into these new industries. Now, somebody calls it the, the digital iron curtain. Mm. Uh, Churchill must be proud of that. <laughs> uh, uh, he's probably rolling in his grave. But they're saying that you know, this might probably stimulate China's because now they're growing less dependent on the rest of the world and they're going to start making their own chip. They're going to start developing their all kinds of apps for themselves. And they're, the digital divide between the East and the West uh, is probably growing. And it's hard, it's kind of hard to see at this point who's winning and who's losing in the long, you know, who will be winning in, in, in the next five years or so, right? Yeah, I mean, Obama blocked um, certain chips being sold to China back in the day, back in 2015. And a week after he did that, China started rolling out large investments in chip design and research. Blocking US chips works once. It, it stops what the person is building right now. But if they have the money to keep to design it themselves, in three and five years, they can do it themselves completely and you can't do anything to stop them. Mm -hmm. Well, to quote Omar from The Wire, you know, you come as a <laughs> king, you best not miss. I mean, the, the, the approach that a lot of people agree with sanctions against Huawei. Um, a lot of intelligent people, and yet they all disagree with the way Trump did it because it was slap dash, not really thought out, and it allowed Huawei time to adapt. And so they they will survive. All right, so we, we've we've talked about what China is doing and how America is trying to hurt China. What is America doing for American technology? Some people in America, a couple of senators, a couple of congressmen, want to take that approach of kind of private public partnership on on exciting research but for the National Science Foundation. The National Science Foundation has like an annual budget of 8 billion, give or take, and it does basic science research, lots of interesting stuff. But they're like, how about we give it another 100 billion 
over five years, which is a lot of money, but also the same as what Tencent and Alibaba are putting out as individual mm -hmm. corporations. So, you know, maybe it's not even enough money, but they want to look at like 10 core points, including AI chips and supercomputers and try and build a future. You can't just keep complaining about China and keep saying, oh, it's unfair that they've got all this great technology. Oh, it's unfair that Huawei's 5G stuff is cheaper. How about you actually go out and build it? yourself mm -hmm. yeah yeah compete on technology rather than sort of like trade policy I, i think it's quite an important thing that america forgot how much of its success came out of investment in basic research back in the day you know in, yeah. in cold war research funds yep. uh, after sputnik in military funds back in the day and that all they started coasting off that so a lot of the great technologies that we see in corporations now came out of stuff built in labs by the national science foundation by other you know great research institutions Yeah, yeah, pu publicly funded. Yeah, publicly funded. You know, uh, Google's originally came out of an, an NSF grant. And the problem is now, obviously, they give lip service to research. And you'll be thinking, what were you talking about? Google does tons of research. But they do end of stage, end of product research. And it's really mm -hmm. taking things that other scientists have made and just doing that last mile stuff. And not enough people in America have been investing in that early stuff. Right, which is the opposite of Huawei's approach. They basically just, once the the tech war began, they just pour more money into research and development. Yeah. They just, you know what, we're going to, that's the way we're going to put money somewhere. So we're going to beef up this massive offices just outside of Shenzhen and mm. hire more people. Because I, I think, yeah, yeah, their enduring commitment, I think, is 10% of, of, of revenue or, or profit, sorry, goes to R&D. And I think, yeah, yeah, they've been exceeding that for the past two or three years. And so, so yeah, absolutely mental sums leading the world. And it's almost like a you know, digital space race where we're all running towards a goal. I do you, in your estimation, do you see the trade war well, I guess the tech war or this digital iron curtain actually being good, like, you know, for for the future of mankind or in terms of technology development? Like do you see that this will have like a positive effect on innovation? Uh now assuming that one day we'll this this will be over, we'll all shake hands and, and be friends. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things of we all right now, like literally this podcast wouldn't be possible without all the technology that was built during the Cold War. But for the Cold War to happen, we had to run a very large chance that we were all wiped out and wouldn't exist right now because of nuclear weapons. So I think it's going to be a similar approach of we're going to get a hell of a lot of new technology and cool innovations and cool scientific research coming out of everyone focused in this very competitive way. But because tensions are rising and rising, there's also a non-zero chance that a very bad outcome could come out of it, which is why, right. you know, stay in your bunker, live off pickles. Now that you mentioned the podcast production, hopefully one of those innovations that come out of it will help Max find his headphones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's fair to say that this is a, an ongoing tech war and, and it's worth, we're going to keep you updated on what's going on. And um, for anybody who's interested, Um, go on, go on to aibusiness.com and we'll, Sebastian will give you the latest. Whoop, whoop. If you want just another layer on top of your anxiety about the current events, you know where to go. I can give you a list of things you should be anxious about. Just contact me. There are many. I would say we're currently in the beta testing stage. So if you see something that doesn't look quite right, please let us know. Uh, I believe the About Us page is already working and there's some contact details there. But essentially, the website will continue to change and evolve as the organization changes. We have a lot more resource now. And um, I just want to finish this with a, with a heartfelt shout out to Bill and Leo who built the bloody thing. And uh, yes, I, 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 I love you guys. Thank you very much. 
where can people find this podcast, Max? Every um, time I ask you, you give me a different answer. <laughs> all right. So we're available on SoundCloud, uh, Google Podcast. I believe we're also on Spotify. Most importantly, on the website, you'll find us in podcasts and resources section. Um, but it will also uh, always remain at the top of the website. So if you want to listen to the latest issue, just uh, navigate right to the website and you're going to see it. Email me if you have an idea, if it's a good one. <laughs> you know, like you come with the king better not miss <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad we're in a place where we can quote the wire all right so where can people find you guys uh you can find me on twitter at seb moss on linkedin at sebastian moss on the internet at googling my name um and in my basement with my pickles and i'm i'm, I'm sitting in the loft in a, in a nice sort of like non northeastern part of london uh you can find me here or on twitter instagram email and uh, basically on the site every single day until I die. Oh, great. <laughs> well, you will catch up with you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.